they uh, they gave me the ball and said that I could go score. And it's like, I'm sold. Uh, this is the sport for me. Welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. This is obviously a retake because you can hear me and my guests laughing. Uh, Kellen Gordon is my guest today, and Kellen plays for the Seattle Seawolves. Kellen, we're just going to open it right there. Tell us about you. Sure. Um, I mean, like you said, I play for the (laughs) Seattle Seawolves. Um, and I mean, it's, it's a team that is in the major league rugby, which is a league that started in 2018. Um, so we're entering in, or we've just finished our fifth year, um, roughly, I mean, really four seasons cause we took one off because of COVID. Um, but I've played okay. since inception and, um, we, we won the first two. So 2000. 18, 2019, Seals were champions back to back. Um, took a year off for COVID. Uh, didn't do so hot last year. I think they finished. Um, I got injured last year, so I actually didn't play much, but um, finished like fourth in the league. And then this year we made yeah. the final and um, lost in the final, unfortunately, to New York. But pretty cool to be in the final for three out of the four years that we've had full seasons. That's very cool. And the dreaded New York teams. I mean, I'm sorry, you can't be from Washington State and not dread like the Yankees or, you know. Oh yeah. Anyway, okay. no, it was a it was a tough one. So, they were very good this year. Okay, we're gonna come back to rugby because I've got questions. But how how about you? Where'd you grow up, and how did you get into rugby? I grew up in Washington, so um, I grew up in Kenmore. I uh, went to Kenmore High School. And I actually found rugby um, because of a, a friend coming, telling me to come out and just try it. So I've played football since, I mean, the moment that my mom could sign me up for football. Um, so I think I was like, what, <laughs> seven or eight years old. Uh, and I was an offensive okay. lineman. Uh, I was, I've always been a big kid, especially then I was a pretty chunky kid growing up. Um, so I got into, got into football. Um offensive lineman. And then my buddy tells me, Oh yeah, during the off season, you should come out and play some rugby. I was like, Oh, I don't know what rugby is, but you know, why not get into another sport? I went out there and they, uh, they gave me the ball and said that I could go score. And it's like, I'm sold. Uh, this is the sport for me. Um, (laughs) don't have to block for anybody. I can go have some of the glory. This is great. Um, so I started playing for a little club called, uh, the, Redmond Rugby Club um, practiced over at Marymore Park, and uh, we actually I mean, we we were we were very bad, um, and we were lucky to get enough guys for a team. And I think my my junior year of high school, the the team folded. So I started when I was fourteen, and my junior year of high school it okay. folded because um, we couldn't get enough guys out. And I actually ended up going and playing for the men's league. Um, which isn't allowed now. They don't. They don't let you do that. I believe you have to get special waivers and stuff to go play for the adult league as a high schooler. But 
I uh, started playing for the Eastside Axemen and, um, you know, I, I loved it there. And then uh, I went off to Central Washington University to play rugby. Um, so uh, I didn't actually really want to go to college. I wasn't that interested. Um, my mom kind of pushed me to go, uh, or at least to apply. Everybody told me to apply. <laughs> and I was like, mm, my grades weren't great. Um, school wasn't exactly my favorite thing in the world. Uh, mainly homework. I was great at testing, but man, I couldn't do homework to save my life. Um, or I just was more interested in other things, but, uh, uh, they convinced me to go to central Washington to play rugby there. And so, I mean, I spent most of my life in, in Seattle or in Washington state. Um, all right. So between there and then I, after I'm laughing yeah, because I went to central, I went oh, to yeah. central as well. And and I was going to give you a hard time about, well, it's not like you really went to college. You went to Central, but yeah, that's yeah, not fair. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, mean, I went there I, too. I mean, all right. My yeah. bio actually says my freshman year was the best six years of my life. So that's that kind of shows my educational. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I, I, did the, I did five years at Central. I did my victory lap. Um, I actually finished my degree in, in three and a half years. Good for you. Um, and stick, stuck Good around to you. play rugby. Well, it, it took a while. I mean, well, the degree didn't take a while. To figure out school took a while. Actually, uh, my freshman year, I got uh, kicked out for low grades. And uh, my my rugby coach had to get me back in and had to have a sit down with me and be like, you know, education is important. And uh, I actually finished with, I think, a 3.4. and was able to bring it back up from like a, wow. a 1.2. Um, so I dug myself a Good nice hole in my freshman Seriously, year. That's that's. Yeah, what did you graduate in? Uh, theology. So theology. I got a degree in, okay. in religious studies and philosophy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was originally going Help there. Me out. How does that yeah. pertain to rugby? <laughs> well, it was, um, it honestly was a pretty easy degree. Obviously, I finished in three and a half years, so it wasn't crazy tough. Um, but it was, uh, um, it was kind of a, a just a fun degree for me. Um, I originally went there to. I started out wanting to do engineering, then realized that I didn't really like that as much. Um, and then I went into I was going to do teaching. Um, really like teaching. Uh, and in fact, I I do a lot of coaching now, so it's kind of uh, been a passion of mine. But um, I got into theology because I I grew up in a atheist household. Um, and, uh, and, and my mom always, you know, it's just religion wasn't for her, but, um, she always, you know, pushed me to go and explore other religions and see what's out there before deciding on anything. And, um, so growing up, I was actually not teased, but I was always amazed by the reactions that I got from telling people I didn't have a religion. Um, so a lot of people would get either upset or, you know, uh, you know, get mad. And I found that fascinating. And I started studying, uh, you know, reading the Bible, you know, through high school and going through different other religious texts. And cause I was interested in why people were getting upset with me. And, and then I started realizing that a lot of people didn't understand their own religions. I mean, they're getting upset, but they didn't actually have a full grasp of what it is that they believed in. Um, and so I started looking at that more and then that's what drew me later on to 
going through the religious studies and philosophy course at Central is because I was like, well, if I could eventually teach this to other people, I mean, we could eliminate a lot of this aggression. Um, and so uh, that was that was the original goal was going through college. I was like, okay, maybe I can teach religion somewhere. And that would be, you know, a cool um, occupation and something that I can do and help out. Um, life has other plans as it does. So switch didn't go into that career, but still enjoy um, teaching and coaching when I can and, you know, going through that stuff. Okay. So you mentioned, so I, I need some clarification here. So you, you, you played football from as early age as you could be allowed to play football. And then you started rugby. Did you play both yeah. sports for a while or did you just, was yeah, the glory so, of you could score in rugby enough to make you quit football? No, it was exciting, but um, luckily rugby and football uh, in high school were offset seasons. So football was the fall and into the winter. Um, whereas rugby was end of winter slash spring, um, for the most part. Okay. So I was able to do both. Uh, so I'd play football for high school and then go on and play rugby, um, for the club teams. So it was nice being able to do both. And I think, um, I actually became a better athlete because of it. Um, again, I was a, I was a very large kid. I was, I I was pushing 280, 290 as a high schooler. Um, okay. but by the time I got to college, I was down to 250, 245. And I mean, I attributed a lot of that wow. to playing rugby and, um, learning to actually be athletic. Uh, football didn't require that as much as an offensive lineman. I just needed to be able to stand there and block somebody. Um, okay. but it was, yeah, it was very nice to, to be able to do both. Uh, and then after high school, I mean, I, I thought I might be able to push on somewhere for football, but realized that rugby was, you know, a passion of mine. And so I wanted to go somewhere where I could, you know, continue that passion and grow in that sport. All right. So now this is where I'm going to pause you and I'm going to admit total ignorance about the sport of rugby. Other than what I know is it looks like a bunch of guys pushing against each other. This (laughs) football shaped object comes flying out Mm -hmm. and there's weird rules. I don't yeah. understand the sport because I haven't paid any attention. So that's fair for, for my sake, before we talk about rugby anymore, can you give me an overview of what's going on in a rugby match? Yeah. So, I mean, um, like the rules of rugby, <laughs> so in, in rugby, we call it a try and it's basically the original touchdown. So in rugby, you have to cross the line into the end zone and instead of just crossing the line and being a scorer, you actually have to put the ball down on the ground. Um, so if you, you ground the ball, then it's a score. And instead of, uh, the, the normal field goal, like in football, which is, you know, directly in front of the posts, uh, wherever you touch the ball down at the kicker has to kick from that position on the field. So if I score all the way on the sideline, the kicker gets to bring the ball back and has to kick along that same line. So it's uh, a little bit oh. tougher, right? So it, it changes the, yeah. the the dynamic of where you score um, rather than just crossing the line. Um, and okay, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's a it's it's a little bit different, That's... but it adds a bit more of a, a bit more difficulty to it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, I always tell people that, you know, we we grew up playing football, right? Or seeing football um, here in the U.S. So everybody knows the rules. But the rules of football, I mean, there's there's so many, right? It's There's different positions, right? And they all have different things that they can and can't do. Um, and all mm-hmm. the positions have different jobs. So I actually say that, you know, rugby overall is much easier to learn um, because the rules are the same across the board, right? Everybody can do the same things. Everybody can, you know, has the same rules that apply to them. Um, there are different positions, but for the most part, you know, you have similar skill sets. Um, and so really, you know, when you, the rules of rugby, I mean, you, you have to pass the ball backwards, so it can only travel laterally or directly behind you. Um, and then, okay. so you pass the ball back, you run forward, right? And that's how you gain uh, position. And then, um, if there's a, if there's a tackle, so once there's a tackle, basically wherever that tackle happens, it creates like a new line of scrimmage. So all the defenders have to get behind the spot okay. where the, the tackle was made. Um, now the, the play doesn't end when the tackle happens. So if say I make a tackle on somebody, I'm allowed to try and get the ball. So it's mm-hmm. almost like there's a there's a wrestling match that happens over that period. So I can try and go get it, um, and the the opposing team will have somebody come over and they'll hit me or wrestle me off the ball to try and make sure that it's still available for their team. So the play doesn't end. Okay. So everybody else on the on the new line of scrimmage has to get back, and then the moment that the ball is picked up, they can all come forward again. So it's almost like having a, a down, right? The, the moment right. the ball is snapped then everybody can play. Um, there's just no break in between. So in a, in a nutshell, I mean, that's basically rugby, right? It's just pass the ball backwards, run forward. If you get tackled, you can pick it up and keep on going. Um, and the defense has to get back behind where the tackle's made. All right. Some questions. Uh, yeah. When you score, how many points? how many points is it? Yeah, so it's uh, five points for a try or, or a touchdown. And then the the mm-hmm. kick after is worth two points. Okay. And then you can also do what is it? You know, pardon me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so you can also do a. Uh, you can also have something similar to a field goal. So if uh, we do it with what's what would be basically a penalty kick, which is worth three points. So if somebody does something illegal, um, then the the attacking team can have an opportunity to kick for the posts so they can they can get a field goal all right we'll come back to that okay how big is a rugby field uh same size basically as a soccer field so um it's 100 meters long rather than 100 yards so a little bit Mm -hmm. longer than a football field and then um the width can range technically because lots of rugby pitches are different um but usually it's between Uh, I think the shortest it can be is like 56 or 58 meters by 65. So anywhere between there. Um, so you, it's, it kind of changes the game in that, you know, you can have one place that's a little bit narrower of a field versus a wider and it changes the way you play a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's usually about the same size as a soccer field. All right. So what I know about soccer I have learned from watching Ted Lasso. That's explains <laughs> about where my knowledge of soccer that's, is. That's fair too. Um, and I didn't Great realize show. that 
I did not realize that soccer. Yeah, it's a great show. I did not realize that soccer pitches could be different sized until I watched Ted Lasso. So that was yeah. interesting that rugby falls the same. Yeah, right. so you can have different ranges. Now you said you could do a penalty kick if if the other team does something illegal. Right. Where where are you kicking from? Where the, the where the infraction was where the yeah. infraction took place? So wherever the yeah, whatever okay. the infraction took place, you'll I mean, same thing as like getting a, a yellow card in soccer, right? You get a kick from that or okay. you get a restart from that point. Um so technically okay. in rugby, as soon as a penalty happens, you can you can restart it. Sure, like you can just basically like soccer where you tap it with your foot and it's you you begin again, right? Um, or you can mm-hmm. choose to take a kick at goal. So, you know, if, if for instance, you get a penalty in within your own half, you're probably not going to try and kick for points. Um, you may try and keep the ball in play and keep going, or um, you can actually kick it out of bounds and then they do like a throw in. Okay. You mentioned when you were tackled, the place starts there. How how does one get tackled in rugby? Like what what constitutes? Because I watch when I watch little snippets of rugby, you guys are like mauling each other. Do they have to like stop your forward progress for a tackle, or what is a what what is a tackle? As soon as a, a knee or a hip touches the ground, so you bring somebody down. Um, same same general rules as in football, right? If a knee touches the ground with somebody um, in contact, then it's a tackle. All right. Last rudimentary rugby knowledge question for me. Are you wearing pads of any sort? No. So some guys will wear, you know, you're allowed um, up to an, a padding of uh, an inch thick. So some guys who have some shoulder injuries might wear like a, a small, um, you know, piece of foam on their shoulder. Um, there are some guys who wear what's called a scrum cap. Um, which is basically a piece of headgear that has some padding in it. Um, but like I said, it can only be up to an inch thick. So yeah, you, you're not normally wearing much. Um, and that's okay. beyond a mouth guard. That's the only other uh, piece of equipment that you can wear for you know, protection. Okay. Okay. So I've got kind of the super high level basic views of, the game, except for how many how many players are on each team? Fifteen. So in 15. a normal game of okay. rugby, and there's there's a couple different styles similar to you know how football has normal football, and they have six man, and then they have uh, uh, they do seven on seven stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But so the normal game of rugby is fifteen on fifteen, um, twenty three rostered players. So you have a couple subs there. And then, mm-hmm. um, and then the other variation of the game is what's called sevens, which would be seven guys per side. Um, but this bit of a different game, we won't get into that too much. <laughs> yeah, that's don't overwhelm me. Yeah. How how long is a rugby match? Uh, Eighty minutes. So you have forty minute halves. Forty minute half. Do, are you allowed to be? Can can you substitute in and out, or if you substitute out, are you done for the day? If you're substitute out, you're done for the day. There are. There are specific positions okay. that you can um, sub a guy back on for injury reasons. 
Um, but those are only mm-hmm. a couple guys. So like my position, I'm what's known as a, okay. a prop and I'll get into another, um, fun, uh, subject there, which is the scrum. So anytime a ball is, uh, is dropped forward or passed forward, right. They, uh, they have to have a way of restarting play. So basically mm-hmm. it's, it's what they would consider, you know, a jump ball or, um, I can't remember what it's called in hockey, but where they drop the puck and they have to kind of fight over it. Um, So in rugby, you have Mm -hmm. your, you have eight forwards and then seven backs. So the backs are usually like the, the faster guys who are good at kicking the ball, better passers. Usually Um, your eight forwards are usually the bigger guys who carry the ball more often do the, you know, a large majority of the tackling, Um, but to restart. So we've dropped the ball forward. Now we do what's called a scrum. So you have uh, basically three layers of players who bind together. Um, so you have three up front, um, another two behind them, and then uh, two guys on the side and one guy behind. So the the names of the players kind of correlate with their position. So you have, you have two props um, whose job is being the front of the scrum and then the, the hooker in the middle of those two. So you're propping up a hooker. Um, and the hooker's job okay. is, um, to hook the ball. And I'll explain that in a second. Um, behind them are these two tall fellows that they call the locks and they are, their job is to, to lock out and push. And then you have flankers on the side and then eight man directly behind. Um, so the, they, do this whole binding thing where everybody kind of gets really close and tight. And you, this is probably something that you've seen or they've mentioned in football games, um, about looking like a scrum or, uh, but basically both teams will set up, you know, roughly a meter apart. Um, they'll all bind together and then, uh, they'll, they'll hit each other and it's a pushing contest. So the ball will be put underneath the, the front row, crew uh the hooker's job is to try and use his foot to hook the ball backwards so and then the everybody else is trying to push the other team over um until the ball comes out the back or the eight man's able to get in there and, and grab it out so that's that that part of the game is a little bit um more complicated uh but it, i mean you only get probably eight to ten scrums a game um for a for a high level game uh, but it's a way of restarting and it's, uh, but, but those guys who are in that, that scrum, usually they can be going back to the original question. They can be substituted because they're a specialty position. Not anybody can just go in there and do that. Um, there's a lot of technique involved. Okay. There's a, there's a certain body type that's required and, um, to be able to handle that kind of pressure, um, you, you need to be a certain position. So if one of those guys gets say subbed off. And then the guy who subbed on for him gets injured. They'll they'll put the original guy back on, and it won't count against your substitutions. All right, I still have a question about this whole thing. Yeah, who's putting the ball? Who's putting the ball between all you guys? Yeah, in, so in, yeah. So that's one of our uh, our backline players. So he's what's considered the scrum half. Um, so his job is to be the connecting link between the backs and the forwards. So he's, he's the guy who's usually going to be passing the ball the most often. Anytime that, uh, you know, the tackles made and they're doing that fight over the top, he's the one going and getting the ball and, and passing it off. Um, he's usually a pretty okay. small, scrappy, 
player. Um, and uh, but yeah, his job there for a scrum is is going to be to so if if the other team knocks on the ball, then our scrum half gets to put the ball in, which is considered a bit of a advantage, right? Because we know when it's going, and he can usually okay. feed it a little bit or put it towards our side a little bit more. Um, okay. And that way, uh, and then if the ball you know comes out the back of the scrum, then he's the one who's picking it up and passing it. Okay. Yeah, so I, I don't know it's a it's interesting. It's but, I mean, fun learning new sports. It's right, fun. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we got forty minute halves. We've got eighty minutes total. If you get subbed out, you're done for the day unless you're a specialty position. You mm-hmm. said in higher level play. So let's at the level that you're playing at. What is a typical score? Um, you're looking at. You know, between the twenties and thirties for each team. I mean, if you're so allowing, it's a fairly, yeah, it's it's similar to football. I mean, the, fairly, the better teams playing against each other is going to be a lower scoring, right? You're you're looking at maybe two to three scores in a game. Um, okay, and and then there's obviously right. mis- mismatches that are going to happen. Um, I think the Sea Wolves set the record this year playing against Dallas, which was one of our new franchises that came in. Um, and they, and we beat them, gosh, I think it was like 74 to seven. And it was a record for oh number of tries scored oh. and number of points scored against the team in our league. Okay. Now I'm a fan of American sports in the sense that I grew up watching baseball, football, and basketball mm-hmm. where the United States is kind of the pinnacle of those sports. You know, you, the NFL is the best American football in the world, if you will. Baseball, best baseball. Okay. But with soccer and with rugby and, and hockey, they, you know, originated outside of the U.S. and were not the gold standard. Mm-hmm. Where does this league stand globally as far as talent? Uh, so I think we're, gosh, 15th or 16th in the world we're we're down there a bit um the sea wolves no no sorry sorry the u.s if that's right so as far as the sea wolves we would okay. be a, a lower level team i mean there are some leagues that have been around for years and years um and definitely have some very high caliber players um also those leagues okay. have quite a bit more money um i mean not I don't think anywhere else in the world has NFL level money, but you know, on the on that scale, you're looking at you know some pretty large contracts. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, how many teams are currently in in the in the in this in your league? There are seventeen teams now. Seventeen. Yeah. Am I right? No. What are we at? <laughs> they keep Sorry, on changing it the last quiz, couple years. Huh? Yeah. Um, gosh, we had. I'm sorry. Are we at 14 teams? I have to. I have to go back and look. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, That's I, sh- fine. I should. I so should there's know a, that. A, at least a dozen teams. Yeah. yeah there's at least so, a dozen teams. We'll, we'll so safely we started say out. All right. Yeah, we started out with eight teams. Um, I think mm-hmm. in 2018, um, we gained. Three more in 2019, and it's grown each year. Okay. 
who are the Seawolves natural rival? Who's the rivalry team? Oh, I mean, we have some pretty good battles with a couple different teams. Um, but the biggest one has always been San Diego. We've, we've met San Diego in um, every playoffs we've been in. So okay. um, they're definitely, yeah, the, the most known um, team for the, the Seawolves fan base. And uh, for us, I mean, we, we play them quite often. Okay. Where do where do the Seawolves play? Uh, Starfire Stadium. So we took over the the old Sounder Stadium, uh, where they started out at. Okay. So and we've actually done and pretty how many well people there. does that seat? Uh, technically seats I think close to three thousand, maybe twenty eight hundred. Um, but we have. I, th- I thought I read thirty eight hundred. I think I read thirty eight hundred. Oh. I think we can get that many people in. So we've, we've, um, okay. We have, uh, we've sold out the stadium, especially the first two years, multiple times. I think the first two years we did it, we sold it out almost every game. Um, the last couple, not as much, but it's growing back. Um, we sold out a couple games this year. Um, but yeah, we've, um, um, We've actually started to outgrow it almost, but yeah. So we usually fill all the seats and then there's standing room. So, um, I think we can usually pack between 36 to 3,800 people in the, in the stadium itself. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's like maybe, maybe 3000 is actual seating. That's, I think that's so awesome that you guys are, let's just say three to 4,000 people can come and watch this and, they're all new fans in the sense that we didn't, none of us grew up watching rugby on, you know, TV or anything like that in this, in the United States. So these are all people who have found the sport and they're finding it entertaining and competitive. And that's, yeah. that's so, so and impressive to me. I think there's that's, a, that's there's really, 13 really cool. teams. Sorry. 13 is what we're at. 13 teams. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we have, uh, so when you, yeah, when you travel, how many? So how many? How many matches do you play in a week? Is it just one a week? Uh, yeah. So we'll usually play on a Saturday or Sunday. Hmm. So if you're on, playing in yeah. Dallas, let's see, is there a team in Dallas? Let me. Yeah, Dallas is actually the one that we put our. Uh, we uh, they're, they're the new franchise. Oh, yeah, that's right. just, that we, I'm sorry. That we yes. pumped. <laughs> <laughs> Walk me through what does traveling to Dallas look like for you guys? Is it, are you, uh, are you flying? You're not taking, you're not driving individual cars here. No, no, no. <laughs> so we'll usually fly um, and we'll fly commercial. So depending on where we're going, uh, a place like Dallas, um, we may fly in on, if we're playing on Saturday, we may fly in on that Friday early. Um, kind of have a, a, a walkthrough of their stadium that evening and then play Saturday. Um mm-hmm. Sometimes, especially on the East Coast, uh, if we're playing on a Saturday, we'll we'll fly in maybe a, a day ahead of that. So we'll go in Thursday, have the day to acclimate on Friday, and then play on that Saturday. And then usually we're coming back. How the, tall are you? The day after. Uh, six foot. So you're six foot and 250, right? Yeah. 
commercials, you know, first coach seats are comfortable, aren't they? I mean, how do you guys fit in these things? It's rough, especially I mean, when they, you know, they I'm group seat us. So. I hate. Yeah, and and I'm not the <sighs> biggest guy on the t- on the team by any means. I mean, there are guys quite a bit bigger than I am. No, and I mean, yeah, we're we're crammed in those <laughs> things, and yeah, some of those some of those flights, especially to the East Coast, are not fun. Um, but yeah, it's oh, been it's yeah. been interesting it's just been part of it though i mean it's especially when they do group seating so it means that all of us are in the same sections not really spread out oh yeah (laughs) oh man okay oh man we could could go down this the whole professional thing but let me ask you this when so when did you when did the idea that you might play professionally present itself to you uh so i mean 2017 was when everything started happening with mlr um and it started to grow uh, especially finding out that there was going to be a seattle team um i mean i've always had aspirations to play professionally um i've i've traveled quite a bit i've gotten to play down in new zealand um gotten to play some games over in england um so i've had opportunities to play elsewhere um Rugby is pretty cool in that I've gotten to travel all over for it. Um, and I've always known that, yeah, I, w- I wanted to play at a high level. Um, and But I always also thought that I may need to travel to do that. Um, so 2017 came along and they started talking about this new league. And I got contacted by the, the coaches there, or who was the original coaches, which... Um, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole, but our first two seasons, our coaches got um, the coaches that they that they hired uh, were denied visas. So we actually played the first two seasons without a coach um, or, oh. or with player coaches, basically, or an interim coach our second season. Oh. But even then, yeah. So we were very much coached by ourselves. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of brought up and. Um, I, I was kind of on the, the, um, I mean, I learned from it or learned about it. I mean, the rugby community is very small and pretty tight knit. Um, so I'd heard that, you know, the Mm -hmm. people were starting to invest and it was becoming a thing. And then, um, I got the call asking to, you know, come and play. And so it was pretty exciting to, to be able to do it in, you know, my own backyard rather than having to travel somewhere. All right. Before, but I want to I want to touch on that. But you said something, and I want to I want to go explore something. So you said you played in England and you played in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. In international rugby, where's the best competition? Oh, you'll get different answers from every person you talk to. Um, I mean, my experiences okay. playing New Zealand were pretty amazing. Um, I went down there okay. in college and played for. Uh, they have uh, basically would be called a well, what they call an international high performance academy, um, and so I was playing for mm-hmm. one of the professional teams down there, one of their um, their academy sides, and so I went down there and was playing. And um, I mean, the the competition was far and above anything that we have in the United States. Um, and that's just because, I mean, they, they grew up playing rugby, right? When, when everybody else here is watching football and, you know, learning that from an early stage or, or basketball or baseball, any of those, 
right there it is pretty much only rugby I mean, that's what guys grew up dreaming about playing. Okay. So, um, I mean, and, it, and it, it's like a religion to them. I mean, you go out on a Saturday and there are no shops open anymore. People go out and just go to the fields and watch rugby, whether it's a youth game, a club game or, or professional, it doesn't matter. Um, it's, okay. it's huge. So, um, what's the name of that New Zealand team? That's really famous. The all blacks. Yeah. Black, it's, all blacks yeah yeah so would they be considered like the highest level of of rugby globally uh yeah i mean they actually just got beaten by uh ireland this last weekend so ireland jumped to the number one in the world um, okay but they are they're definitely one of the highest caliber teams yeah okay all right i mean they so New Zealand, the All Blacks came to the U.S. I think two years ago and played against the U.S. team, and so just you know, as a to, to just so you understand where where that's at, the I think All Blacks won by gosh seventy points, eighty points. Oh, and okay. this is internationally, right? Okay. So it's not like a you know us beating Dallas, which in the same league, this is like you know your country's team. So. Right. Um, we are not quite there as a country, um, at their level. Okay. All right. But that's, you know, got to start yeah. somewhere, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, like I said, they, their guys have been playing since and they could walk. Okay. Going back to when you were approached to play for the Seawolves, how does one practice rugby what you know I, I once again i referenced my lack of knowledge here but like football you know, i seen you know most of us have seen football drills and all this stuff what goes on at a rugby practice uh i mean it's it varies between coaches um but it's it's similar to any other practice right you you have a specific amount of time set aside for skills right so we work on our our passing or um you know, it might be our our tackling, um, scrummaging stuff, and then you know once that portion is done, you'll move on to uh, gameplay and tactical learning, um, and then usually there's you know a free play aspect in there somewhere. But yeah, I would say similar to what you'd go to in a in a football practice, you go and watch, and you have the D line practicing over here, you have the linebackers here, DBs there you know, quarterbacks throwing the ball mm -hmm. and then they may sort into units where now quarterbacks are working with wide receivers to run routes. Um, and then at the end of practice, they all come together and run a scrimmage of some kind or um, work on plays or schemes. So uh, rugby's run very similarly. Okay. We, I mean, it's usually 45 minutes to an hour, um, at least high level practice um, for our high level teams. I mean, um, We'll practice usually shorter okay. just because guys don't have to spend so much time on skills. Um, if you're looking at like a, a club mm -hmm. team, right? Guys who do it just for fun. You're looking at like a two hour long practice just because you have to spend more time on technique and the different skills required to actually play a game. How during the season, how often do you guys practice? So we'll, so in season, it's usually four days a week, I would say. Um, if let's say we oh. play a game on a Saturday, Monday would be, um, so Sunday would be a travel slash rest day. 
Monday again would be, um, you know, coming into the gym for a little bit and doing like a, a flush just to get the bodies back in order. Um, maybe do a recovery session and then we would train, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, take Thursday off and then do something Friday, like a, a captain's run or, um, a walkthrough. Right. And then, then play Saturday. Okay. All right. And then how many matches are there during a regular season? Uh, so this year, let's see, we played uh, in the regular season. I believe we played 16. Yeah. 16. Yeah. All right. So I've danced around the question. I really want to ask getting hurt. This seems like a, 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 I don't want to say violent, but you, okay. You're six foot 250. You said you're not, you're not the biggest guy on the, the team. So these are big men throwing themselves at each other without pads, Mm -hmm. without helmets, without, you know, what's a, what's the typical rugby injury? Um, I mean, you get a lot of shoulder injuries. Um, knees, ankles are usually the biggest ones that you're going to pick up throughout a season. Um, those, those joint injuries are going to happen. Uh, especially depending on what surfaces you play on. Cause I mean, some teams have a grass field, some teams have turf fields. Uh, it, it changes, you know, the, uh, the way you play and you know, the types of injuries you can get. So it depends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, injuries are common in rugby, just as they are in football. Okay. I mean, you're usually going to get one or two right. in the game. It happens. Um, I think this year we were pretty mm-hmm. fortunate not to have very many serious injuries. Um, so we, we were pretty lucky. And we had some really good preparation that helped along with in, that. In your career, in your career, what's the worst injury that you've, you sustained? Um, that would probably be last year, actually. So last year, uh, in the very first game, I tore my pectoral tendon. So I had to have surgery immediately after that. And that took me out for the entire season. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually surprised that there's not more injuries because once again, you're not, you don't really have protective gear. I mean, you're just, you're. Yeah. I mean, concussions are also just as common as they are in football, right? Those are, those happen quite often. Um, but that's the okay. nature of a tackle sport. Well, it's a, it's a contact. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a contact sport. All right. So we could go down. I mean, I could keep peppering you with questions about the sea wolves, but so the, the history of the sea wolves, let's, let's walk through like what you know, of the, or, the origin to where we are today. How is the, how did the team, what, yeah, what's its origin story? Um, I mean, how did it, how did it come about? Yeah. I mean, for the most part, or, like who's the ownership group? Is it local Seattle area owners? Um, there are a few, so it's, it's shifted hands over, okay. um, over the course of the years. Um, the two, I guess not. There's, there's three probably main owners now. Um, let's see. There's, uh, Brian Jones, who is our, 
he's an owner, also the the chief operating officer. Uh, so he works pretty hands on okay. with the team. Um, there's Chris Prentice, uh, who's an owner, and um, and then Adrian Belfour are probably the three most known to the team. There are quite a few others that that also mm-hmm. have their hands in it in some way. Um, but those three probably right. interact with the team the most as well, um, or have been around the longest. Okay. And the league, I saw something online. I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this, but it, the names, the name of the rugby league is owned by the city of Glendale. Oh, the, does that ring a bell with you? That's I a thought, different team. Yeah. That's uh that's Colorado. So, yeah, but they own the rights to the like the name of the league. I thought that was I don't know. I was, thought I saw that it was a weird. I, I don't know if they. Thing. I don't anyway. know if they still do the the league did like the original league okay. offices were in Glendale, Colorado. Um, so there's actually okay. a there's actually a stadium there, um, that was built by the city, um, the specific for rugby. Um, they play international matches there, and it's one okay. of the one of the biggest stadiums for rugby in the U.S. Um. Okay. And so they originally had had a team in there, so the Glendale Raptors or the, or the Colorado Raptors, but they've since um, ended that program. So they actually dropped out after year three, I think. But and now the I believe the league offices have moved to Dallas, and I'm not sure if they still own the rights to the okay. the league name. They, I'm sure that the the league at some point has bought them out of it. Okay. What I haven't asked you this is a you know very direct question. How old are you? Thirty four. You're thirty four. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're in the NFL, you'd be an old player. Yeah, I'm right? an old I mean, player in rugby. Honest, you'd yeah, be an old player in the NFL. Oh yeah, you are. Okay. Yeah, and actually, so, I've, I've uh, this was my last what? season as a professional player, so I've done the whole retirement thing now. You're retired. Yeah. Okay. Did you do your 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 final tour of the of all the stadiums? <laughs> your goodbye to her i did so I mean, you okay yeah. so at 34 you reach you retired at 34 so what's the average age of a player in this league in your opinion uh it depends i mean um some of the backline guys I and mean, you usually see them in their careers around 30 31 um 35 36 is pushing it i mean i'm probably i'm okay. i'm at the high end as far as you know where a rugby player goes um, so okay. yeah, you don't usually see a ton of guys who make it beyond their, their early thirties. Okay. Well, that kind of makes sense. I mean, really in, in any high level sport, you yeah. know, you just begin to slow down just yeah. a little bit. And we, and I mean, there, there whatever. are a few okay. outliers for sure. I mean, we have a guy on our team that I think he's, gosh, he's 37 now, 38, and he's still a phenomenal player. Um, but he's also one of the biggest human beings I've ever met. So Okay. How big, how big is this guy? <laughs> uh, gosh, Samu is probably six, 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 seven, three. Gosh, I think he came into camp at like three thirty, three forty, but I think he dropped weight. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a big human being. Yeah. He's a big dude. That's a really big human being. Yeah. Okay. So you've retired. What's the future for you? What are you going to be still, you're still going to be involved in rugby? Oh yeah. So, um, 
I mean, rugby's always okay. been a passion of mine. I, it's it's tough to envision life without it. Um, so actually, last year while I was injured, um, I took on the role of director of rugby for the Seattle Rugby Club. Um, and speaking in other right. sports terms, it's almost like a, a general manager role. Um, so basically, I I help operate and run. Um, it's a nonprofit club. So Seattle Rugby Club has been around since 1966. Um, it's probably oh wow, yeah, it's got a pretty good history. Um, and it's known as you know the best rugby club in the Northwest, and it has been for a long time. And um, supplies the Seawolves with a lot of their players. Um, and so we've gone through, I mean, that the club has gone through some struggles, obviously with COVID. I mean, you lose a lot of guys, you lose some coaching. Um, it was, it was kind of a tough period for everyone. So we're, we're in a rebuilding phase and trying to get back into that position where, you know, we're known as the best club team in, in the Northwest or in, in the U S in general. So mm-hmm. I'm working with them. Um, building schedules, recruiting players, um, working with our coaching team. And then I'm sure I'll still play a couple of games here and there. Cause yeah, I, I'm not quite ready to stop playing too. Um, eventually my body will okay. tell me to, right. that I'm done with that, but, um, no, I, I still enjoy playing too much to give that up. So the, the Seattle rugby club, how old are those players typically? Are those just recent college kids? Are they eight, they're 18 and over, right? Yep. First off yeah. 18 and over. Um, okay. yeah. And they're typically young guys. We're, we're looking at guys just fresh out of college, um, or guys who, who decided not to go to college, who want to keep going with their rugby career. Um, it's probably one of the cool okay. things about rugby that I, that I really enjoy is, you know, for a lot of people, you know, if you don't get into the sport outside of college, right. That you're playing. So in high school, you can be an all-star basketball player, football, whatever. Um, and let's say you don't go on to college then there's not much for you other than maybe some general rec leagues. Right. Um, if that, um, right. And then same thing, once you get out of college, I mean, if you don't make the next level, very few people continue with their sport. Um, so one of the great things about rugby mm-hmm. is that, you know, you get to continue playing, no matter what your level is. Um, and there's, there's clubs all over the, the country, um, all over the world that you can go and step into no matter your skill level, um, size, right. Age, whatever. Um, so, I mean, we, yeah, we have a bunch of young guys. Usually we'll get a couple fresh out of college. We have a couple who are, you know, just enjoy having a, a contact sport that they can go play. Um, That'll, Mm -hmm. that'll stick around. So we'll have some guys that are, you know, in their, in their late twenties and then we'll have a few that are, you know, pushing almost 40 who just aren't willing to let go yet and want to keep playing and having fun. So it all depends. Um, So where does, yeah. Where does the Seattle rugby club play? Uh, So this year and, and so for the last couple of years, we've played in um, BC so there aren't a ton of club teams uh, that are at our level here in Washington or in, even in Oregon. So we play up in BC. They have a really good rugby program up there um, with quite a few clubs that play. And so we'll play in their league. And then um, we usually try and have two to three teams if we have enough players. So we'll play with a what we consider okay. like a premier team. 
that plays in BC along with a, a premier reserve, so a second side who plays up there as well against um, their second side team. So we'll usually travel with, um, you know, anywhere between 38 to 40 guys. And then we'll have uh, this year, it's going to be one of the first years that we'll be back in the U.S. playing. Um, so we'll have a Division Two team. So all the all the other clubs in Washington are all Division Two or Division Three. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll we're entering one of our teams into that league, so that we can have a, a U.S. presence as okay. well. So where would those teams be playing at? Um, well, all the BC ones would be up in Vancouver, Victoria. Um, right. So they play throughout there, and then but the 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 U.S. one. Yeah. Uh, so they'll play. Are there any more in Washington State? Yeah. So they'll play against uh, Washington State teams. So they'll play. There's a team up in um, okay uh, Bellingham, Ferndale area. Uh, there's a couple in Tukwila. So I think there's two teams kind of in that area. Um, there's another team in Bellevue. Uh, which is my old club when I played in high school, the Eastside Axemen play there. Um, there's a team down in Olympia, and then they'll play against a team uh, in, there's one in Oregon, in Portland area, and another one in Boise. So that makes up the uh, the Pacific Northwest Union. Okay. Are you involved in any, do you do any coaching or mentoring for like, young kids getting into the sport? Uh, I have in the past. Um, so when I, when I originally started mm-hmm. with the company I'm at now, um, it had a presence in rugby. And so I used to do a lot of youth mm-hmm. coaching, um, across the state. I haven't been able to do as much now. I'm looking to get back into it just cause, uh, between sea wolves, my current job. And then I have, I have three kids at home of my own. So, uh, there's not a oh, lot wow. of time for extra extra things, but hopefully this will open up a, f- a few more I, hours I, of my day. I don't understand why. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't understand why three kids. Come on. Yeah. Kids. So you, you alluded to, and I, I, I'd like to reference, you alluded to your current job. Cause at the time that we're recording this you're you're sitting in, in somewhere in Texas. Yeah. San Antonio. And your, your day job sounds kind of cool. Why don't you share that with, with, with my listeners? Yeah, so um, I work for a company called Atavis Football. Uh, I've worked here for close to 11 years. Um, but at the moment, what we do is we work with youth, high school, professional, uh, and college football teams, and we we coach tackling, um, primar- primarily to <laughs> other coaches. So we work with coaches. We explain to them how to tackle properly and um, we help build out practice plans to to teach tackling properly Um, and then we do analytics so a a team that wants to dive further into it will contract us to come in uh, watch their film Um, so they'll send us their games and then we'll break down every single tackle provide them back a report with how well they're doing how well they've done throughout the the course of the season and how they can improve. So at, at the moment, so you I mean, just, yeah. sit, I mean, I'm oversimplifying this. Yeah. You watch a lot of film. I watch a ton of film. Yeah. But, so why are you, 
because you can watch film anywhere, why are you in San Antonio? Are you actually working with a team right now, hands on? No. So one of our uh, one of our cooler projects. Um, I mean, all of it's cool. Um, so working with those teams is great. But one thing that I I really enjoy is that we we actually created a curriculum for coaches to get certified in tackling. Um, so right now we're at what's called the Texas high school coaches association conference. So the THSCA and they host a conference every year around July. And we are one of the main sponsors for it. And in order to coach in the state of Texas, they have to go through our training program. So they've created a deal with us where all of their coaches have to be uh, have to go through the the program, uh, which is awesome. So now everybody's wow. coaching, tackling the same way, has the same language, and you know we we hope that it you know makes the game safer. Well, Texas doesn't take its football very seriously, though. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, <laughs> yesterday I had a um, I did one of a series of trainings, basically. Um, I think yesterday, yesterday was just 400 coaches. So it was pretty small. Um, oh, geez. yeah. Gosh. I mean, it, this is, this is what we consider. Wow. Uh, so there, a, a coach's certification lasts for two years. So this is what we consider a non-certification year. Um, in that the main bulk isn't being okay. certified. It's just the, uh, you know, the new and incoming coaches. But last year when I run these, um, we're looking at, you know, three to four, presentations to anywhere between a thousand to 2000 coaches. And overall in the state of Texas, we have to certify, I think 25,000. So it's a, and and I don't have to do all those in person. They can do them online as well, but for the most part, they prefer when they get to do it in person. That's crazy. Okay. That's, oh my gosh. I, okay. I never, I love, I love talking to people when they say stuff that I would have never imagined. I just think it's the coolest thing. That's, that's wild. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a lot of fun and especially to see where it's come over the last couple of years. I mean, we, like I said, we originally started out with rugby stuff. So my company that I came into 11 years ago, um, was mainly focused on youth rugby and growing rugby in the country. And after, Gosh, mm-hmm. probably three years of that, they realized that well, there's not much money in it. Uh, there was no, you know, professional league <laughs> around, so there's nothing cool to watch that excited people to get their kids into the sport. So it wasn't growing a ton. And then we started having these conversations with the Seahawks, actually. And the Seahawks were coming into our office. Uh, some of their coaching staff were coming in. Uh, a guy named Rocky Seto, who at the time was he's like the secondary pass coach. I was, had some crazy title, but he eventually became the DC, but he would come in and, um, he went to a rugby game when he was visiting the Pacific islands. So he was in Tonga, I think, and watched the rugby game. And he, he immediately came back to Washington and found us because we were the only rugby company. And he's like, what's the difference between the tackling in football compared to the tackling that I saw in rugby. And he's like, why are like, what's the injury rate? 
you know, are, are my guys getting injured more often than a rugby team? What's the deal here? And so we kind of discovered a business there because at the time too, I mean, concussions was all the rage. Um, everybody was big on CTE. I think the movie concussion had just come out and everybody was freaking out. Youth sports as a whole, but mainly youth football was down massively and people were, were losing it. I mean, mm-hmm. Texas was one of them. When we had conversations with Texas, they were freaking out because they didn't know what to do. And I mean, Pop Warner was down more than it had ever been. And um, so, you know, we started to build a business around it. We started looking at tackling, trying to understand tackling. What was the difference between rugby and football? If there was a difference. And then we realized that, you know, tackling shouldn't, shouldn't be different between football or rugby. It's just tackling. There's no, the, the objective is to get someone to the ground, mm-hmm. right. In a powerful and controlled manner. Mm-hmm. So we started building a curriculum and built out a whole entire system of how to tackle properly along with drills, with videos, um, with, you know, all sorts of stuff to help out coaches and give them resources. And then we started having these more conversations with the Texas schools and then the coaching association. And yeah, we are where we are today now. And then, and then beyond the curriculum portion, we started building out our analytics piece, which everybody loves data now. I mean, if you go to any sport, everything's about data. <laughs> yeah. So we realized that we could take tackling and break it down to its individual pieces and make those data points and then start creating uh, a data analysis company. So we have a whole database now on tackling. And I mean, we've watched, I've watched thousands, thousands of hours of film. And because of that, we now have, you know, the ability to go back and show, you know, this type of tackling one improves teams and players in their efficiencies, but also has a safety aspect. So now all of a sudden guys are staying on the field longer and able to make more tackles. Your whole career arc makes perfect sense with a degree in religious studies (laughs) to going to tackling data. Yeah. I just, I, I, that's, I mean, wow, that's so cool. That's, I mean, I had no idea. I had no idea. Okay. Well, I want to respect your time. So I have a couple of other questions to ask you, but not, they're not terribly long ones. So do you drink coffee? Oh yeah. Probably more than water. All right. As it should be. I mean, coffee has water in it, so it's still hydrating, right? I mean, that's that's how I see it at this point. Right. Exactly. That's as, as, as any Washingtonian should. (laughs) Where's a, so currently, where, where what area of, of, of the state do you live in right now? I live in Auburn. Are you kind of still up north of Seattle? No, I, I'm sorry. My my wife is from Auburn. Um, and like any good husband, okay. you move where your wife's family is. Um, so we've... Okay. We, uh, yeah, so in the Auburn area, where's a good place for coffee in the Auburn area? Gosh, um, I mean, my favorite place is a, a little stand called Gibbs Coffee Shop. Um, it's just a little drive through, um, and then down the street, there's actually two coffee okay. shops, exactly the same distance from my house, walking distance, um, which is great for me. 
Um, not so great for my wallet, but I go to Gibbs, <laughs> um, and then usually in the evening I might go to Zola, which is another little coffee shop slash bakery down the street. Um, and those are probably the, the two most commonly visited places that I go to in Auburn. Um, and then one of my favorite places too is, uh, cause, cause we train in Tukwila, um, slash Renton for the Seawolves. So I, I think we've mm-hmm. actually kept this. So it's a, a coffee shop called Boon Buna. Um, and I'm pretty sure. Oh that, yeah. Yeah. You've been there. You know of it? I've been there. All right. Yeah. I do. Great coffee shop. Great coffee. Great staff. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that the Seawolves yeah. have, you know, bumped up their uh, income by quite a bit. I mean, we go there okay. every chance we get as a team. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, as a, as a retired professional rugby player, you're, you've got all the time in the world. I'm going <laughs> to overlook the fact that you have a day job and three kids and you're married. What do you guys like to do for fun when you're not doing tackling or rugby? Uh, I do a lot of hiking. So when I can, um, it's, it's been a while since I've gotten to go. Um, I've also taken up golf, which I always hated golf growing up, but when the pandemic hit, I needed a sport or something to compete in of some kind. Um, so, so I picked up, so I picked up golf and started doing that with one of my buddies, um, and found that I actually kind of enjoy it. So I may do that a little more now. Um, but those are probably, you know, two things that I do most often or enjoy the most. All right. I got to ask, where's a great hike that you like to go to? Where's it? Where's a, where's something that you've done in the past? You thought this is a lot of, this is a cool spot. Oh man. There's, there's a bunch. Um, I have a tendency too to go on hikes on my own and then get lost and end up in a different place than I meant to go. Um, but uh, <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Um, I will. No, I, I enjoyed. I mean, Snow Lake's a great one. It's a beautiful hike. Um, there's another one that's kind of off beaten path, but it's called. Um, oh gosh, now I can't remember the name of it. I have to think of it. It's been a while. But. I mean, all through Snoqualmie, I mean, I've, I've done a ton of hikes through there. Um, I climbed Mount Rainier when I was okay. younger, and that was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did right. quite a few. I mean... How was that? I mean, uh, seriously, how long did it take you? We did it in three days. We probably could have done it in two, but we, um, I went with some family members. And so um, we hiked up to Camp Muir slept there the night and then we went to Ingram flats, um, which is just a bit further up. And again, took another night and then climbed up mm-hmm. in the morning and summited, uh, which All right. that was, yeah, one of the coolest experiences of my life going up there. Um, That's but I mean, cool. I've done, All right. I've done Matt Adams. I've, I've climbed, um, I didn't make it to the top of Mount Baker. Uh, we had somebody get sick in our crew. Um, but yeah, I've uh, tried to hike as many of the peaks as I could, um, and then yeah, whenever I can, cool. I, I I go off and um, I have like a little app that just has the the Northwest Trails app or something like that, um, and I'll just pick one out and and yeah, go when go. I can. Yeah, and about to start getting my kids right. into it. They're they've been a little young, um, 
My daughter's turned three next month and I'm going to start trying to get them into it. Nice. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Going back to golf, you just, you, so do you have a handicap? No, oh, it's nothing good. It's like 24. That's no, okay. But 24. All right. So where do you normally golf at? Where's, where's the home course? Uh, it's either Riverbend or Auburn. My two spots. Okay. Riverbend is great because uh, where's the best course? Where's the best? No, no. Okay, go on with the Riverbend, oh. and then I'll. I'll, I'll I mean, I like I like Riverbend. My buddy um, Mike Shepard, who lives down the street from myself, we played rugby together for quite a while, and our families have become really close. Um, to the point where he he moved down to Auburn with me. Um, but he uh, him and I go to Riverbend because. Um, they have very early start times, so like five thirty, six a.m. We start, and uh, and it's pretty cheap. It's like thirty dollars to go and golf for eighteen holes. Right. All right. Where's the most challenging course that you've played so far? Oh, Washington National, kick my butt. Okay. All right. Yeah. Again, that one's not too far away from my house. A couple miles, but man, it's a, it's a tough course. At least for right. me. I mean, there, I know there are quite a few people who probably think it's easy, but <laughs> I've I've never golfed. Well, I haven't golfed in decades, but I've never golfed that one, and I've heard it's challenging. All right, bucket list golf course. Where do you want to go and golf? Like, is there one uh, on the list that you like? I want to go insert course here. Um, I mean, I don't know golf courses that well. I've had quite a few friends who have gone to Chambers Bay, and I've seen that one. I've wanted to do that one. Okay. Um, cause it looks like a beautiful golf course. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's a cool course. Yeah. I'm more interested now in like, not so much my golf course, but the, the actual act of just going out and playing and, and then the scenery that I get to see. Uh, so it's how nice the golf course is. Right. Um, so yeah, I, okay. I think I'd enjoy some of those and yeah. Okay. All right. My get out of jail free question. What didn't I ask you that I should have? Oh, I think you've hit on the majority of it. I mean, um, I can't, I can't think of anything at the moment that, uh, okay. Super exciting. Um, outside of sports. Um, I mean, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that, I, you know, I have, like I said, three kids, so I have twin daughters. Uh, we got the two for one deal with our first pregnancy. And then, um, and then a son who's <laughs> one, uh, who has spina bifida. Okay. Um, so he's a, oh. he's a, yeah, it's been an interesting journey. Mm. Um, and then my wife, Bailey, she actually, um, has quite the sports history herself being a softball player at university of Washington and winning a national championship there. So, um, Yeah. Well, okay. I had made an assumption, and so I was wrong, which most of the time when I make an assumption, I am. I assumed that maybe you and your wife met at college, but you went to two different schools. So how'd you how'd you meet your wife? So actually, we met here in San Antonio. So it's always fun coming back here because it's where we first met. Um, and oh, wow. yeah, okay, yeah. We we uh, she used to work for a company called Volt Athletics, and they do, um, and they're still around. They're a pretty cool company. They do. Um, uh, they do 
they're basically an app for training athletes. So it's like a, a fitness workout okay. program um, that a school or you know any any sports team can use that would then provide um, training for all of their athletes without having to have say an SNC coach directly there. Or if you have players who are coming in from different areas, you can make sure that they're working out and getting the right program in. Um, so it's pretty cool. They're still around and I think they're okay. still based out of Fremont. Um, but yeah, she was at a conference, a football conference down here. And we actually ended up meeting in San Antonio because we were from the you know same state. And it was pretty cool to have two companies there. Uh, and we hit it off and started hanging out. I mean, we, uh, we met down here, but I was currently in a relationship. So I think it was another three months before we actually met up in Washington. But, um, okay. Yeah. As soon as, you know, we started hanging out and chatting with each other and getting to know each other, uh, yeah, we've been inseparable since. Awesome. All right. All right. Well, we'll put some links in the show notes to the, the Sea Wolves and the Seattle Rugby Club. Yeah. Um, because because I think that's that's cool. Last question. Okay. Share with my audience one takeaway about rugby that they won't know that you think people should know about rugby. Uh, I mean, rugby is a family, um, which I think is one of the most amazing parts of the, the sport. Um, so I can play, you know, so when my son was born, for instance, um, we had to actually move down to Houston for three months because um, he had to have some operations uh, and he was born down there. Um, what was great is I got down there um, even before I got down there. Some of the Houston major league rugby team reached out to me and they, uh, they asked how they could help. And so they helped provide food for us. Wow. They helped provide transportation. Um, they were willing to help with anything that we needed. Um, they provided a place to train for me, even though I was from a rival team. Um, they let me train with them. So, I mean, and then that's, that's just one example, but I mean, I, I can go anywhere in the States, anywhere in the country and go find a rugby field and immediately have a whole new set of friends. Um, and what's cool is that, and that's, that's the case everywhere is if somebody moved here from, you know, another country and needed someone to, to live, you know, guys would open up their houses to, you know, allow them to stay there until they got on their feet. Um, it's, it's a pretty cool network, pretty cool family. Um, and I, I don't think I've really experienced it in any other sport, um, where, you know, you can go anywhere in the world and just immediately find somebody who wants to help you, um, just because you play rugby too. Right. Um, and I think that's one of the coolest things about the game. That's very cool. That's very cool. All right. Well, Kellen, thank you for taking the time to sit with me and talk about rugby because I've learned a lot and actually I'm looking forward to learning more. Um, this is, and, and I think, you know, and then the whole football tackling thing is kind of mind boggling too. The fact that you, well, we could go down that rabbit hole of watching hours of tackling. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Not for me. I don't think I'd want to watch that. But uh, I, I also kind of w do want to watch it now to see what it is you're watching. I mean, <laughs> there's this like, oh, my gosh. But uh, that's that's awesome. And, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. 
Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.